Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Stay tuned for the two of two O's. See? How's that? We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me too easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Good evening, everybody. It's uh well, evidently it's delusions of competency night here on Sci-Fi Saturday night. <laughs> Much like it is every night. It's TalkCast 210 tonight, reminding you that when you're this close to Christmas, every moment counts. Blood supplies are low, so stock up now. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 9, True North Slidewalk, next to the Richard and Marnie Nixon School of Phlebotomy, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, <laughs> we have a cast tonight. Everybody's actually here. In the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, president of technicalness, sometime level-headed, oft-times outspoken, occasionally awesome, potentially assert, potentially and acerbic. The woman who put the cat in Katniss, whatever that means, is Kriana. I put the catty in Katniss. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> From the stacks in her personal silence under the dank dungeon reading room, when she remembers to unmute herself, she can be interesting or verbose, never both. The personal assistant to Jeffrey Peterson and friend to robots everywhere, it is the Zombrarian. I got tangled up in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> I was like trying to unmute. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, here we go again. From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our lovely Ginger Ingenue, the woman best remembered as the understudy for Blanche Deadbois in the zombie version of Tennessee Williams' Dead Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, our very own reanimated body double for Elvira, the Dead Redhead. Can I be Benedict Cumberbatch's personal assistant? Oh, I suppose. That's what we all want, sweetheart. I'd pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> and many have, evidently. I'd buy that for a dollar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is, yeah. is there an Indiegogo <laughs> campaign for that? Because if there is, we're going for it. <laughs> oh, my God. Our guest tonight uh, from the New England Horror Writers Association to talk about his upcoming book due for release any moment now. Rob Smales joins us again. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dom. How are you? <laughs> you heard the first five, four minutes. You know exactly how I am. Yeah, I do. I think we're... Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I'm waiting for the medication and the alcohol to kick in, and then we're fine. We're about two weeks away from Christmas as we're... we're uh, it's not really fair to say we're taping this show because there's absolutely no tape involved in it. It's all massed electrons on, on a platter. Um... And with two weeks left to go, we decided tonight would be the night that we talk about the incredible geek gifts that we would like for Xmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, whatever it is that you celebrate personally at the end of the year. Um, so without somewhat further ado, 
I turn this over to the cast to talk about what it is they would like to have under the tree or next to the box of Girl Scout Thin Mints. <laughs> Kriana! Getting a oh, me. Well, you didn't tell me I was going first. <laughs> You're going first. So, Kriana? Oh, I would like the Technomancer Digital Wizard hoodie so that I, too, can be a digital wizard. Ooh. <laughs> it's better than a pinball wizard. That's so analog. Evidently. Although, you could get an electronic pinball game. Um, still kind of analog. And they still kind of suck. Yeah. Although, they've had a good one. You can't yet. shove it and tilt it. Or I guess you can tilt them. But. You can actually tilt them. <laughs> Brianna, go. Is that our code? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay. Oh my. <laughs> Never mind. There'll be a whole lot of oh my's tonight. <laughs> so, dead redhead. Okay, here's my, my first wait for it. I'd like every book published by the New England Horror Writers Association in 2013. Is that kiss-ass or what? It's very kiss-ass. Well, well played. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> and, and if it's an actual thing, if I can't get that, they actually have, they're selling a UFO detector on Amazon. And they actually have people who have given... Um, have given it like three and three point four out of five stars and so forth, including the uh, Mr. R. J. Reed who said this little gizmo is a bargain at twice the price and much more accurate than the voices in my head. So, oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> and how have the voices in your head been this week, dear? <laughs> <coughs> Moving on, Zombrarian. So, being ever indecisive. <laughs> no way. So, I have a not surprising to confession, confession to make, which is that I am a Pinterest freak. And if you go... Oh, sorry. If you go to Pinterest.com slash holidays, you'll find their Pinterest holiday gift-giving guide. Um, there are some awesome ones for gifts of gifts for Whovians. Uh, there's gifts for the elegant dinosaur lover. Ooh. But the very best board of all, the one that I would just like most of it really, is gifts for fans of things. <laughs> of things. Okay. Onto which they put such gems as When's the Doctor? A Search and Find book. <laughs> nice. <coughs> and a t-shirt that says Sorry, can't hang out. Quidditch season. You know how it is. <laughs> so, basically every anything and or everything on this board. In fact, I'm looking at it now, and I realized that there was more that hadn't loaded last time I looked at it. Uh-huh. Down at the bottom. <laughs> and you want all that stuff, too. Yeah, so you guys go ahead and do the show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do this. <laughs> See you later. Okay, take care. Uh, yeah, we'll get back to you uh, next week. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but, uh, Wait, pause. Yeah. There's a Harry Potter recorder songbook. <laughs> oh my god. That's it. That's my number one pick for Christmas this year. Kriana, you've been told. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> About th- three or four days ago, I sent Kriana a link. Uh, to a tech product that I thought was incredibly neat. And I got back a number of texts that began with, oh shit, why did you show me this? Son of a bitch, now I want it too. I can't believe how goddamn expensive it is, but I don't care. Uh, (laughs) And And yet, here you are bringing it up again. Yet again. Um, As a matter of fact, the Indiegogo project to uh, sponsor the prototypes for it uh, ended three days ago. They needed $40,000. They got $300,000. So, and it's called a Smarty Ring. And the whole idea behind a Smarty Ring is this very, very stylish and and cool-looking sterling silver ring that actually controls your smartphone. Oh, my. Uh, and there are uh, several different versions of the ring. Uh, there's the tracker ring, which was $50, that allows you to attach a tracker to a wallet, a pet, a child, whatever, and you can track something that you've lost, assuming that you would lose a child and track it with a ring. For $70, you can have the Smarty Ring Clock, and it's actually a gorgeous little piece of design that includes the clock and the tracker. Uh, then there's the remote ring, uh, and there's the one that controls literally your smartphone. Because you, t- you actually touch your smartphone to look at it, uh, check it, do things with it between 60 and 150 times a day. And what this does is it goes, oh, I have a text from whom? Don't care. Moving on. No need to touch the phone. It flashed on my ring. Which is an incredibly cool thing. Sounds kind. Of, that's like something out of Dick Tracy, or <laughs> it's a, it's actually one of the yeah, it's one of those retro kind of dealies that when we said you know where's my smart flying car and where's my talking phone on my wrist and the rest of that stuff, mm-hmm. this is like the the ultimate in. Where's the tech that was uber cool that we now need? And the charger that it has is really nice, too. It's just a flat charger. So at the end of the night, you take your ring, you put it on this little pad. In the morning, it's charged. You just put it back on. I'm sorry. We're living in the future right now. We are. It's, we it's are. just the truth. It's, and it's so freaking cool. I can order a pizza while on the toilet. <laughs> oh, my I mean, not that I would do that well. Not that I have done that well. (laughs) Never mind. Exactly. Moving on because we can. There we go. (laughs) So, those are our picks for holiday geek gift idea. If you're watching our Facebook page and our Twitter feed, we are also tweeting out throughout the uh, last week and the coming weeks. Uh, some other geek gift ideas and thank you all for the wonderful comments you've been giving me about the incredibly odd stuff. (laughs) It's very much appreciated. So what else has been going on this week? Kriana, you had something you desperately wanted to talk about. 
I did. And I, I'm not going to say this is news necessarily. But it kind of seems like it's old news. But for those of you who didn't know, those spandex outfits on Star Trek: The Next Generation, Ugh. they were stinky. Ugh. They were really stinky. Says who? And says says the guy. The, guy? the costume designer Bob Blackman, um, and they they sort of rode up people's naughty bits, <laughs> and it sort of retained the odor of dry cleaning fluid. It was just all around unpleasant. Uh. No, no one liked them, but they happened. And there, there, if you if you want the gory details. Follow the link. Yeah, go to the link, because I'm, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm actually going to say that this does not surprise me even a little bit. Nope. Me either. Because having worked at Six Flags, I can tell you that superheroes, it's, they're not super smelling. We'll put it that <laughs> way. God, those superhero costumes were nasty. It's like spandex. There's no breathing. You know, you can't breathe in them. <laughs> yeah. The superhero costumes were worse than the fur suits for uh, the other characters. Uh, uh, uh. Well, because the fur suits, you could wear an ice vest underneath. Is, is Cam in the chat room? Cam, are you with us tonight? Cam is, in fact, in the chat room. Cam, I do not want a damn squirrel for Christmas. I would like to point that out. I'm, I'm just pointing that out. Okay. Oh, good lord. Thanks. I want a furry squirrel suit for Christmas. Alright, alright. Well, Cam, Cam actually has his own pick. He would like a copy of William Shakespeare's Star Wars. You know what? <laughs> no, it's an actual book. We know the it's an actual book. The book is terrific. Oh, okay. I take it, my laughter back. Please. I mean, it's one of those things you think you're going to go, this is going to be just hilarious and stupid as hell. And it's actually, it translates quite nicely. Okay. And it, it's quite a clever little work. Uh, having actually read it, I was, I was shocked at how clever it actually is. Ah, oh, 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 oh. Did anybody happen to see Arrow this week? No. I can tell by the resounding lack of any response whatsoever. Nobody saw it. Uh, Arrow this week had the origin of the Flash. Uh, Barry Allen is about to become his own show called The Flash, and it was uh, very another very smart episode. There's there's only one important thing that you need to know about Arrow. Yes, they killed John off Durham. John Barrowman. Yeah, except they didn't because he's back. Oh well, that means I might start watching it again. <laughs> Barry Allen had his own Flash TV show. In fact, one of the coolest things about that bad little show from the the late eighties, early late eighties, right? Was because. Um, Luke Skywalker himself played the trickster. Yes. On the show, and he was hilarious. Yeah, but the show itself was just camped up beyond belief. 
you know, it, it took it never took itself seriously at any level. Well, no, but it was funny. It was fun to watch. Uh, to a lot of that that stuff that came out at that particular time period, like you know, um, oh, what's his name from the the beach TV show there that they love in Germany when he Hasselhoff, was David Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff was playing Nick Fury. Which oh, that was, was horrific. So <laughs> bad. <laughs> Nick Hasselhoff in Baywatch Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Next on ABC. <laughs> Good Lord. So, uh, for those of us who are, like, jonesing for Doctor Who, we're about two and a half weeks away from the Christmas special. Yay. And then we get a really long wait. And, yeah, and then it's, what, another three or four months? We get the new Doctor. Before we get the new Doctor, yeah. Wait, I thought I, I heard it was next fall. Is it that long? Gosh, I hope not. That would absolutely suck. <laughs> that would absolutely suck. But I did find uh, a BBC uh, short spot and 21 pictures for Time of the Doctor, which is this year's Christmas special. I put the link in for that so that people can sit down because I got to tell you, uh, the 50th anniversary special was just so good and so amazing that I just needed more and and there's no more coming and I'm I'm pissed and I'm not sure what to do about okay, it. Okay, not quite fall, but August. Wow, that is a long time. That's six solid months. So it's like we just waited six months, didn't we? No, it doesn't. It, it's not quite that long, but it sure felt like and, it. And then we got the 50th and then we get the Christmas and special and then another six months. It's like, what are you doing to me, BBC? What are you doing to me? Really? Really? I've got some more under the tree stuff if anybody would like to... Oh, sure. Go for it. Some real cute stuff. Uh, for one thing, remember we, last week we actually mentioned Archie Comics? And I know, Kriana, you were like, does anybody even read Archie uh, Comics? You know, I guess people do. <laughs> Archie Comics... Archie Comics actually gave $1 million worth of comic books to some kids' foundations. Oh, very cool. This year, which was really, really very cool of them. It was a bunch of the kids' comics. It's not just Archie's either. It was some of, um, some of the other kids' stuff. But they put them all together, and um, it, they gave it specifically to Toys for Tots. And the Toys for Tots kind of disseminate all of the the comics to the different kids but you know that's really nice absolutely that they would do that they gave it to the marine corps and and let them give it to the toys for tots area so that was very cool really um, great. and then the other thing is that if somebody still has some money they'd like to spend and give and get fun stuff to give maybe to somebody else or keep for themselves um the comic uh, comic book legal defense fund is selling. Well, they give it to you. They say they give it to you, but of course you have to donate to get it. But they're giving away a bunch of stuff um, if you give them a donation. And of course, the for people who don't know, the comic book legal defense fund was created to help comic book um, store owners and 
other people who have been brought up on charges because if, say, they were selling a comic book that had a swear word or a naked babe in it or something, and they were brought up on indecency charges and so forth, the comic book legal defense fund would help them with that. They and also, at one point, had this great set of collector cards. Yes, they have done great cards in the past. Um, in fact, this year they're giving to the um, the Spirit of Giving Drive, which is part of the Will and Ann Eisner Family Foundation. And for every $2 that the CBLDF gets, uh, they're getting $10 more, which is... Very cool. nice. Um, but they have things like signed copies of Neil Gaiman's books. Um, they have... Crowley, uh, your favorite uh, author. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they have some original art. Um, oh, Alan Moore's Lost Girl signed by Alan Moore. Yeah. <gasps> yep. Wow. The money. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, some Ward Ellis stuff. Um, just some really, really neat things that you can get. Um, a deluxe edition of 100 Bullets for people if um, they were into that one. Um, but take a look. The, the Complete Mouse, signed by Art Spiegelman. Wow. If you've not been to any of the conventions where you got to meet Art Spiegelman, it's a very, very cool guy. And, of course, Mouse is one of the most amazing comic book works. One of the ever. most powerful comic books ever done. Ever. Absolutely. Um, so there's neat stuff. So if you go to the link and check it out and you can give to a good cause and get stuff for either yourself or somebody in your life who likes comics. Well, I didn't realize that our uh, mouse won a uh, Pulitzer Prize. It most certainly did. Oh, my God. Mouse that was the first stuff. comic book to do so, I'm pretty sure. I think you're right. It is. It's, it's won just about every literary prize that was ever put up. Deservedly <laughs> so. Absolutely. Absolutely deserves Absolutely. to. So, there you go. Try to, If you're looking for something, go over there, guys. Yeah, I don't know if you'll get it in time, but who cares? It's incredibly cool stuff. Kriana, uh, <laughs> you found uh, a fan edit of a film you and I both fell in love with a long time ago. So did X. X should be talking about this, too, right? Yep. Um, the Dark Crystal, someone has spent years, multiple years, literally, <laughs> combing through old footage, cut footage, and putting together the definitive director's cut of The Dark Crystal. Oh boy. And where does it reside now? Is it on uh, YouTube or? I don't know. What does the link say? Nice. Hmm, I wonder who that is. <laughs> Somebody forgot to silence their phone. <laughs> that song is not on my phone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Apparently, it is on YouTube. Oh, cool. But I can't watch it because the Skeksis scare me too much. Still? So. <laughs> they are really scary, okay? I do a really devastatingly accurate Skeksis impression. And she won't stay in the same room with me when I do it. <laughs> I literally kick her and run away. She does. Like, and when I want to watch Dark Crystal, like when I'm homesick from work, she will put it on, pause it, hand me the ro remote, and leave the room before she lets me hit play. Oh, it's scary. Oh, I agree. I remember what it used to be like to try and watch it. 
You know what? <laughs> you can all bite yes, me. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what else we got going on this week? Simon Pegg is going to join Monty Python's new sci-fi comedy, Absolutely Anything, yeah, about a guy who... Of, of Monty what? Python are doing it. Uh, essentially, the entire cast is coming together to do it. Oh, the guys who are left. All right. Except for the one guy who's dead. Graham. Graham uh, Chapman. Chapman. That was yeah. very delicate and respectful, though. Thank you. I try to be. I think it would have been difficult for Chapman to be a part of it. I'm just saying. <laughs> and actually, for uh, just for Giggly's, they are doing an actual live show at Royal Albert Hall next month. The first live show that they've done together in almost 20 years. And that ought to be amazing. What charity are they raising money for that one? I have no idea. That sounds like a, a prince's secret ball or something, kind of. Yeah. They do show up individually at those every once in a while, the secret policeman's balls. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know that they've ever... this. They said this is the first time they've actually all come together to do a full show in, like, a very... almost 20 years. That would Ooh. be worth seeing. Our segues are great tonight, aren't they? Sorry, I was busy watching that. Dark I, I think we should just cut. put this news segment out of its misery and go on to the poll. <laughs> was there anything else that we needed to deal with that we absolutely needed to deal with? Uh, no. We're good. So then let's put it to bed and talk about this week's Facebook poll. Well, keeping with the theme of what kind of things would people like under their, their tinsel-covered trees, um, we kind of asked everybody what sci-fi thingy-do specifically they like to find under their tree, if they could find something. And we gave them some fun ideas of stuff they might want. Um, but there was only one really clear winner, but there were some fun choices. The really clear winner, what a surprise. People really want TARDISes. Well, what yeah. a surprise. One would hope. People, you know, <laughs> we had a bunch of people who wanted a TARDIS. Other than that, some of the more fun things were, we did have one person who wanted Shatner's toupee. Um, Julie M., friend of the show, if she's, I don't know if she's listening tonight, but Julie said she would like to have John Barrowman come and sing her a song. I thought that was pretty cool. That was. That is, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't want yes. to come sing me a song. <laughs> that is a waste of a Christmas wish. <laughs> I'm going to go for Julie Mayer's su suggestion of him, David Tennant, an hour, and a bottle of baby oil. That's her usual. That's a Christmas wish. No. Oh my gosh. We did have one weird guy wanted a talking elf. I don't know what that was about, but. I have nothing 
We did have somebody say that Gary P wanted Electra Woman's wrist computer. That was kind of cool. Which that kind of falls with your smarty ring. Yeah, it does. And that anybody would remember Electra Woman and Dinah Girl scares the crap out of me. <laughs> that they remember it or yeah, that they remember it that they actually I don't know. You know, Dinah Girl was kinda hot. <laughs> Which was, of course, like 40 years ago, but what the hell? Um, Mike B. said he wanted one of the turnips, like um, in Black Adder. He wanted his own turnip. Okay. Nice, Mike B. And Dan B. wanted Space Ghost's power bands so that he could, you know, do that little thing where he would go after his, anybody who made him upset and just zap him. So that's not a bad idea. Would he have to yell Space Ghost? Uh, probably, yeah, which would kind of diffuse the whole thing. But. It depends. One person wanted their own sentient robot, which, you know, it sounds like we're working towards that one. So, um, yeah, those are some of the big ones. So hopefully as we move towards the Christmas, Kwanzaa, holiday, Festivus, whatever, <laughs> and on through to the new year, We'll be annoying you with more Facebook polls as time goes on. Because yes, Facebook we is have one for this, for this coming week. So. And, and it'll be a fun one. It's a sexy one. So people have to make sure they they get on there and vote. Check out the sexy Facebook poll. <laughs> and Kriana is looking for an alternate way that we can do these polls now that Facebook doesn't do polls anymore. <laughs> Dumbass. In any case... Ah, our guest tonight is a friend of ours who's been on the show once or twice before, uh, and we keep bumping into him everywhere we go that the New England Horror Writers are at, because he's one of them guys from the New England Horror Writers Association. Welcome back to the show, Rob. Thank you, Dom. By the way, I just, uh, I had to look it up, and uh, real quick, I remember Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. Oh, God bless you. I'm, I'm, I'm that friggin' old, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you're not that friggin' old. You saw the reruns. I saw the originals. <laughs> no, I saw the originals. Really? Saturday oh my morning God. at 11 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock, somewhere in yep. there. Yeah, it was after uh, the, uh, the Bugs Bunny show, I believe. I think you might. I don't know. I think that came on at 8 a.m., though. Was that... That wasn't a yeah. Sid and Marty Croft, though, was it? Yes. No. It, it was. It was after Sid and Marty Croft. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Rob, last time you were on the show, we were talking about a whole bunch of short stories that a bunch of New England horror writers had written, and you dropped the bomb that, that any day now, uh, you are going to be publishing a new book, and we're still in that any day now, uh, because we had hoped it was going to be out by now, and it's... Almost there. The it's book is almost called, there. It's yeah. almost there. <laughs> the book is called Dead of Winter, which is a series of original ghost stories. Yes. Okay, cool. So let's talk about Dead of Winter, where it's at right now, how long the process has been, and uh, where, 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 where the light is at the end of the tunnel for this project for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not actually sure about that myself. Oh, wow. um, it was supposed to be out. No, it was supposed to come out uh, in November. 
Um, and there were some uh, editing issues, uh, and, and I kind of put my foot down and said, all right, I'd like to postpone the books coming out and try to get these ironed out you know, before it comes out rather than bitch about them afterwards. So everything's, everything's ironed out, and it's, uh, it's, it's back in the hands of Hazardous Press, and they're running it through their editing machine um, one last time. And any day now, I'm checking my email every morning, but every any day now I should be getting the notification that it's ready and it's going to come out, but I haven't. I checked this morning. I checked right before we came on. I haven't gotten it yet. Arg. Yes. Any day now. Any day now. now. So talk a little bit about the book itself, what it is, and uh, how long you've been at this one. This one? Uh, three years, I think. How did the um, idea come about for it? I sat down and I was writing. <laughs> uh, I had an idea for a ghost story, and I'd never written one before. Uh, so I sat down and wrote it, and uh, that led me to another one, and I wrote that. Uh, and then I wrote a third one that was kind of a, a, a holiday, Christmassy, scary ghost story, uh, and realized that I had three... Uh, stories in a row, all of them ghost stories, all of them having to do with the fact that it was winter and it was damn cold out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like today? <laughs> pretty much, yes. Uh, so I decided to see if I could keep it going and try to write um, 12 different ghost stories, one for each month, each of them different, um, and and having the season or the month be kind of a part of the story as well. Um I wound up eventually talking to Hazardous Press about it, and it's supposed to come out in a series of four kind of short books, um, one for each season. Dead of Winter was, is supposed to be the first one, um, and it, like I said, is going to be out any day now. Okay, so it's the first one, Winter? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> because it would suck if in December the summer version came out. No, no. That would suck. <laughs> uh, I'm currently, they, uh, Hazardous Press has the second one um, in their, the springtime one in their hands. The um, summer one is in the hands of some beta readers at the moment. And I am uh, working on the fall. Heads, half of that is in the hands of beta readers at the moment. Um, so it's kind of all over the, the overall project is all over the map, but that that first part, the actual Dead of Winter, is is almost done. Now, one of the interesting things that, that you just kind of glossed over very quickly that a lot of listeners who aren't writers probably aren't aware of is a beta reader. Yes. The concept of a beta reader is somebody who looks at a semi-finished product and makes suggestions. Um, I, I will I will get a story to the point where I'm about ready to, to send it off um, to submit it, either to give it to an editor or to submit it to um, a submission call for an anthology. But sometimes I make mistakes, so I send it to a couple of people who uh, read it. I have one guy who is the, he's not a writer, but he has got to be the most nitpicky and anal bastard I've ever met in my life. 
Which is it's perfect. It's it's what I want. Um, and he will go through it. And um, if there are any questions or any silly mistakes, like uh, once I had someone sitting there in a. He was in the car. The car was running because he was ready to make a quick getaway. And when the people came out, he started the car and they drove away. Um, you yeah. can't start a car that's already running. And I missed that. <laughs> he points out things like that to me so that uh, my editor doesn't have to. And so that there's a continuity catch when you need it. Yes. So when you're looking, when you're looking for people, do you just come across them or do you have... Are there people like on Goodreads who go, hey, I'll beta read for you or something? How do you find these guys? I have had a few people uh, have asked, and I have had some, a couple of other people suggested to me from, from someone else who uh, is a careful reader but doesn't read horror. Um, what I usually do is send them something that I have, that I'm not working on, that is done, um, but that I know has a couple of problems with it. I just haven't bothered fixing them yet. Uh, it's kind of like my test piece. Um, mm -hmm. Send it to them with kind of an information sheet telling them what I'm looking for uh, and see what they do with it. Um, if, they, if they catch the things that I know are, are wrong with it, uh, then great. If they catch the things that I know are wrong with it and send back a few more things that I didn't even notice, that's awesome. I was going to say, how often does that happen? Uh, it, because... Those it's happening less and less. I'm going to have to start using a different piece now because it's been through the ringer four or five times with different people. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to have to, uh, or I'm going to have to just put the errors back in there. But uh, that one's getting pretty well read through. Well, can so, I ask you a question on that? You can. Um, would you? Wouldn't you almost want somebody to read it who's not reading it, who doesn't usually read that genre, to pick out things? Or do you want somebody who reads that genre to, to catch things? I do not want someone who is not going to enjoy the story. If it's okay. someone who, who doesn't like... I don't write um, gory stuff. It's, it's more Alfred Hitchcock type suspense mm -hmm. things. But if they're not going to enjoy it, they're not going to be paying as yeah they're okay. not going to be paying as close attention to it, and I'm not paying them for it, so it's <laughs> I'm I'm no, just hoping that it'll be fun for them. If, if you get somebody who doesn't like a specific genre, then they might look more just you know at the words themselves, and you know what I'm saying. But that yes, too. yeah, yeah. But then uh, sometimes they're just not reading as closely and just trying to get through it. Gotcha. And nope. I don't really want that. Gotcha. That I can do myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. So after you take care of that and you've got your ideas, you've got your story fleshed out, it's been to the beta readers, then you send it to the publisher and you wait. Yes. <laughs> and you try and keep yourself involved in other projects and doing other things while you're waiting for their inevitable grinding machine of, of whatever it is that they have to do to make this, this work for you to move forward. So what are you looking at? Where, where did these books go? Are they, are they on Amazon? Did they buy them off the website? Where are we going to be able to find the book once it's out? Uh, it'll be on Amazon. Um, uh, the, uh, 
Hazardous Press website. Um, I'm not actually sure about uh, Barnes and Noble, but I'm I'm pretty sure about Barnes and Noble. Um, just about anywhere where you could find electronic versions of stuff, in most places you could find print. Is it going to be in the shelves in stores? Probably not. Um, unless I can strong arm some of my local uh, booksellers into putting it on the shelves, which I, I hear. Not. I hear. There's a place called Books and Booze. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. Um, which has nothing to do with reading and alcoholism, although it should. No, and their logos are really cute little ghosty. It is. That I may have said this before. Stop me if I've said this before. I really want it on a t-shirt. You said this before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. <laughs> they might do that for you. Um, no, it, uh, yeah, I'll be sending it to... I'll be sending it to them. I'll be bringing it to them. I haven't actually... Uh, I know the owners, um, Jason ah, and Stacy, and I haven't actually been out there yet. Uh, but once There's I have a, something of my own to bring with me, I'll be there in a heartbeat. There you go. So, you've got... You're, you're looking at a fourth set of books for yes. the fourth... Essentially, this is your counterpoint to Vivaldi's The Four Seasons. In ghost stories. Rob, for no reason, do you have a Twitter? Yes. What is it? Rob Smales. Oh. Well, that was pathetically easy. Yes, it was. <laughs> I need to be able to remember the damn thing. I have to make everything simple. <laughs> There's just way too many, way too many things that are... That my head is cluttered with. I still have phone numbers that I don't want to remember that I can't get out of my head. I hate it. Oh, I have that too. <laughs> <laughs> and if I try to if I try to make a uh, a Twitter handle or something that's that's cutesy and memorable for everybody in the world, I won't remember it. There you yeah. go. So, okay, so you're juggling these four books, all in varying stages. Yes. All this and but they're all written. Well, three of the four of them are written. They're 90% written. Okay. So, what else is going on for you at this point? I may have just tweeted something. <laughs> you may have. <laughs> I totally just tweeted something. Oh, God. I'm expecting yeah. a reply from at Dudley228 any minute now. <laughs> I love screwing with Jason while we're on the show. Okay. <laughs> it's really fun. Yes, it's only, only fun when you do it during the show. Uh, right. Oh, good lord. Does that have something to do with a t-shirt? Oh. <laughs> it's okay, Me. you're not the only one who enjoys screwing with Jason. <laughs> oh, oh my. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> And I believe I meant that in every possible way. I, I'm. <laughs> I'm not even blushing. Okay. You're the only one then. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Books and booze. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, what else is going on as you're moving this from written word to published book? What else is going on with you and? Uh, and you're writing. Are you writing anything else right now? Are you doing anything else? 
the entire time that I was working on those, I was keeping up a blog and writing a weekly flash fiction for uh, a website called Friday Frights. I put both those on hold at the moment because I'm trying to get the uh, the book out. I'm trying to actually try. I'm, I'm trying out concentrating on just one thing at a time, even though that one thing is technically four things. <laughs> um, and I'm making a few uh, short story submissions. Uh, just last month, we had um, at New England Horror Writers, we had uh, Wicked Seasons come out, which is an anthology from the uh, New England Horror Writers uh, as a group. Uh, it dropped at Anthrocon last month. It was a lot of fun. Um, and we're waiting to see how that does, so I'm keeping an eye on that. Um, and at the moment, I am taking a little tiny break to write a Krampus story for my son. There you hey, go. Krampus! Hey, Krampus. Explain to our listeners who might not know what a Krampus story is. They're so cute! Uh, Krampus is uh, Santa's evil cousin. He is uh, the, the European Germanic version of coal. Uh, it in the old days, it would be it would be uh, Saint Nicholas would come by and give gifts and presents to the good little boys and girls. But the day before that, or the night before that, Krampus would show up with his sack, and if you were a bad enough little bastard, he'd take you away forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, my son's decided he doesn't believe in Santa anymore, so I'm writing him a Krampus story to try to change his mind. <laughs> Oh. He also has a very long tongue. Yes, he does. The Krampus likes to stick out its tongue. Which is making dialogue writing awfully fun. <laughs> I, I feel like he would have a lisp. Just a little bit? <laughs> yeah, how threatening is that? Not well, so it, much. It could be. It could be. Hey, let's talk a little bit about Anthocon, because uh, you had brought that up. And actually, that, that was the last place we saw you. Uh, yes. Anthocon is an interesting little gathering. <laughs> it was my first time, this was my first time at Anthocon, and yes, it was interesting. Yeah, um, I, it was our first time as well, and I really didn't have a clue what to expect. Uh, you know, I've been to very small conventions and very small gatherings and, and large gatherings and, and in-between size. But I've never seen, I've never been to a gathering before where it was, it was basically all writers for the most part. And there wasn't a whole lot of public. And it was really interesting. <clears throat> different. Yeah, I don't really know how to make words on a paper. <laughs> so I felt really left out. That was a joke. Thank you. NVM. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where's that Dudley 228 tonight? Oh, he's not there. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, you know, from, from my point of view, it was very interesting seeing all these writers together with each other for a change. Uh, well, hmm. see, that's the thing. I, um, as a part of New England Horror Writers, I see some of these people... All, all the time, all the, the time. horror writers group. Um, so wait, we, so wait, you're telling me these little squiggles, they mean things? <laughs> Thank you, Kriya. <laughs> oh, my. Whoa! Mind, Mind blown! blown. 
<laughs> How did I know you were going there? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Continue. Uh, oh, just with uh, doing uh, events and things with New England Horror Writers, I wind up seeing um, a, a bunch of these people, I guess a lot more than some people get to kind of hang out with their peers, um, which is a lot of fun. And uh, I think it's good to actually see someone face-to-face every once in a while rather than just talking to them on Facebook or email. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were myriads of little pocket conversations going on all over the place. Oh, yes. Which was actually fun for me to watch. Yes, one of... uh I'm going to forget her name, and I just did. Uh, so I won't say his name either. Uh, one of my, my fellow New England horror writers showed up uh, with his girlfriend, who um, I was the first time a bunch of us had met her, and um, she's a pathologist. Ooh. Nice. So there was a, almost a, a mini seminar happened right in the middle of the floor of Anthocon, where about a half a dozen of us gathered around this girl and just fired questions at her about body disposal and decomposition rates and uh, she just <laughs> sat there and answered all of them you know calmly factually and every time someone joined the group they kept saying how are you not doing a seminar how are you really? not doing a yeah. panel um so she might have a panel next year because we all suggested it very um, cool i for one appreciate when there's good science in books, because a bad, bad science or bad usage of science terms will snap me out of the story faster than anything else. Yes. Faster than turning on a car that was already on. Oh, ouch. Because I wouldn't even notice that, which would be why I would be a horrible beta reader. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't notice it either. Uh. Well, you wrote it. You have an excuse. You're too you know, close. Yeah. You know what Rob did in Dead of Winter that I appreciated, speaking of good science in books? Yeah, what did I do? I have to admit that I only made it through the first story because I didn't want to give too many spoilers, and I knew if I read them all, I would want to talk about them all, so I only read the first one, <laughs> The Christmas Spirit. Okay, oh, yeah. the longest and, one. <laughs> and the crafting in that book was wonderful and I'm sitting there like oh, I, I need I need to make these things <laughs> each and every one of these things I need to make it <laughs> so it was uh, wonderful to, to, to be fair um, if my, my fact checking um, I, I have a crafty person on staff so to speak who I can fire things at and say how does this work and she can tell me um, but the ability to take that kind of effort to do it means a lot when a crafty person is reading the story. Especially when that crafty person may or may not be reading the story while making Christmas presents. <laughs> oh. So, I mean, well, it's that kind of attention to detail, you know, in, during, the, during the writing phase of it that makes your life a lot better for the right readers later on. Well, that's what I'm trying for. I see. 
Okay, one of the things that, that makes me do that is because I listen to lots of audiobooks. And every time I'm listening to something that happens, if I'm listening to a, a Spencer novel or a King book, and uh, the, the reader, they might be a famous actor or actress, but they've never actually set foot in Massachusetts, and they do not know how to pronounce Worcester. Yeah, it ends up being and Worcester. It's Worcester, and uh, I... it. If I had hair, I'd be tearing it out by the roots. <laughs> Can I give you a, a really good example of how bad that hurt, that hurts? Uh, did you see the uh, TNT series Falling Skies? No, not yet. In season one, where it first, where everything just kind of goes to hell, they are in uh, suburban Boston, and the directions are wrong. We're going north to Somerville. No, you're not. Somerville is east of there. <laughs> yeah. And you just want to punch somebody because in 90% of the country, they don't give a crap. They don't get it. If right. it but if if it's you and you and it bothers you, it pulls you right out of the story immediately. So I can't even watch season one because they do that consistently through season one. It just took me right out of it. It was ridiculous. Yes. Um, uh, the Stephen King story, The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Yeah. Uh, she is listening to the radio. She's lost, little girl lost in the woods, and she's listening to the radio for quite a bit of the story. And they are playing. She hears the uh, commercial for Giant Glass. And Anne Hesch tries to sing the, the theme song for the commercial having never heard it before and oh, no. gets it so wrong and i the, uh, i it, it's Should one of those thing anyway <laughs> no but it it, it, <laughs> it didn't matter i i remember i was actually doing laundry i know i know it's like i know where i was when oh, it wow. happened <laughs> i was doing laundry and she sang it and i began to yell into the dryer at the woman and i don't know what happened in the story after that because i was busy because you, you were done. You were done with it. I was yeah. done. So I'm so. trying really hard to avoid spots like that in anything I write. Well, uh, from the stuff that we've read of yours, uh, I can tell you, you're doing it. Uh, it's, this is a very engaging series. I'm looking at Dead of Winter and just kind of going, this, uh, this is going to be great fun. And I want to thank you for giving us the, a version to to actually read ahead of time for this uh, for this interview. Oh, you're welcome. It was, I'm glad uh, you like it. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I want to thank you for joining us tonight because uh, for being this close to the holiday season, we're all kind of burned out anyway. <laughs> Very much, yes. And uh, thank you, thank you so much, Rob. For joining Ooh. us tonight. Wow, what was that? Somebody sandpapering their microphone. Sorry, that was my fault because I unmuted really quickly to say I was burned out before today, and this is completely genuine praise. I am no longer burned out after reading The Christmas Spirit because I found it such a charming story. <laughs> and Aww. such a, it, it was, it was this utterly charming christmas ghost story <laughs> and four words that don't usually go together i <laughs> know except on doctor who yeah, and yeah. in a christmas carol yeah. 
There you go. Yes. Charming? Thank you very much. You're welcome. I just I wanted to tell you that, and I wanted to tell you on the air. Absolutely. <laughs> praise where praise is due. Rob, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Brianna, what's coming up in the next couple of weeks? Well, <clears throat> next week we talk with legendary designer Tommy Zotos. On the 28th, Matt Lore and Diane O'Bannon drop in to promote Dan O'Bannon's Guide to Screenplay Structure. On January 18th, Aaron Wood shares his industrial design propaganda art. Very cool. On right? January 25th, legendary artist Griffin S., who still owes me three I prints. <laughs> Griffin. <laughs> it's getting very close to Xmas, so make it happen. Hmm. Here's looking at you. I'm watching you, Griffin. <laughs> anyway, Dead Redhead. Dead Redhead. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, GraniteCon, Rhode Island Comic-Con, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Doom! Our guest tonight is Smalls, his new book, Dead of Winter, may be out by the time this is posted. If not... When it does come out, Rob is going to send us an email, and we're going to banner it on the top of the website just to let everybody know. Are we? We are? I think we are. Nice I, of you to tell me. Well, yeah. Kriana, I think we're going to banner it. Oh, so, well, I better find a way to do that, huh? Okay. I'll send you the email whether you do or not. Awesome. Well, I, will, I, better, I better learn that HTMLs. I think, yeah. Well, those, <laughs> those are all those little letters that you know how to use, and the rest of us sit there and go, nice going. I want to thank... Uh, Kriana and and uh, the Zombrarian uh, from the Revere Time Vortex for joining us tonight and crafting during the show. Thank you so much, ladies. <laughs> You're welcome. I have a dislocated hand on my needles right now. Oh, no. <laughs> from the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you so much, Dead Redhead. Take a deep breath and, and drink some more. All I can think of when Sombrarian said that was like Thing from the Adams Family helping her with her craft. <laughs> little hands. Out of his box the and kind of, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>